0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. After exchanging a fist bump with Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's crown prince, in Jeddah, America's president, Joe Biden, says he confronted him about Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist whose state-sponsored murder in 2018 once prompted Mr. Biden to threaten to make the kingdom a, quote, pariah. He said the crown prince denied involvement. He also said he expects to see steps from Saudi Arabia in the coming weeks to increase energy supplies. Mr. Biden vowed to use executive action to cut greenhouse gas emissions after climate change legislation stalled in America's Senate. Joe Manchin, a Democratic senator who is a frequent obstacle to the administration's plans, said on Thursday that he opposed the inclusion of clean energy incentives in a social spending bill. Mr. Biden urged the Senate to pass the bill, even without the climate bits, to reform prescription drug pricing. Russia shelled Nikopol in South Ukraine on Saturday, the latest in a series of attacks on cities that have killed at least 37 people since Thursday. Ukraine accused Russia of terrorizing civilians by firing long-range missiles at crowded residential blocks, industrial plants, schools, and shops. Russia's defense ministry said the target of its cruise missile strike on Donetsk on Thursday was a meeting between officials and foreign arms suppliers. Mexico said it had arrested Rafael Caro Quintero, a founding member of the powerful Guadalajara cartel, during a military operation in the northwestern state of Sinaloa. The drug lord is on America's most wanted list for the kidnapping and murder of an American anti narcotics agent in 1985. Officials said they would seek the fugitive's immediate extradition. Sri Lanka's parliament convened to begin the process of electing a new president to replace Gotabaya Rajapaksa, who was ousted after mass protests, and this week fled to Singapore from where he submitted his resignation letter. On Tuesday, it will accept nominations for his successor. The acting president, Rano Wickramasinghe, wants the job, as does the leader of the opposition, Sajith Premadasa. Officials across Europe issued health warnings as temperatures are expected to soar over the next few days, surpassing 40 degrees Celsius in several places. Britain issued its first-ever extreme heat warning. Thousands of people have already been evacuated from homes to escape wildfires in France, Portugal, and Spain. It is not just Europe. Record temperatures have also been recorded in recent days in parts of China. A televised debate between the five candidates to succeed Boris Johnson as leader of the Conservative Party and Britain's Prime Minister entailed touchy squabbles over how to finance public spending and the rival's credentials. Rishi Sunak, who won the first two rounds of voting, was criticized for raising taxes when he was chancellor of the Exchequer, as was Penny Mordant, the bookmaker's favorite, for her record as equalities Minister. And Word of the Week, Post-Quantum Cryptography, new encryption mathematics that outpaces the capabilities even of quantum computers.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. India's banks get out of a funk HDFC Bank, India's biggest private lender, reports its results for the quarter ending in June on Saturday, opening the country's banking sector earnings season. HDFC is expected to post profits of $1.2 billion, an increase of 26% over the same period last year. The bank hopes that profits will double over the next five years as it reaps the benefits of acquiring a housing finance unit in April. In the rest of the sector, net profits of the 12 biggest banks are forecast to have grown by 47% year on year. Such bullishness suggests that India's banks are getting their act together after years of struggling with loans to businesses not being repaid. India's central bank, which has been clamping down on lax lenders, estimates that bad loans are now 5.9% of the total, a six-year low. And India's government is reportedly considering culling the number of state-owned banks, which tend to perform especially badly, from 12 to about 4. Europe's Herd of Unicorns Tech stocks keep tanking, and yet unicorns are born every day. Surprisingly, it is Europe in particular that keeps breeding private companies worth more than $1 billion, the definition of a, quote, unicorn, bucking the downward trend in the industry. In the first six months of the year, Europe added 35 new unicorns, up from 30 in the same period in 2021 and 29 in the second half of that year, according to the latest update of a global, quote, unicorn tracker maintained by PitchBook, a data provider. By comparison, unicorn creation in America and Canada was down from its peak. North America tallied 197 in the second half of 2021 and then 146 in the first half of this year. If the current downturn in tech continues, the herd of European unicorns is certain to start growing more slowly or to shrink. But the data suggests that Europe's startup ecosystem is now on a more independent path from its bigger American counterpart. Call it the transatlantic tech decoupling. Bacteria-produced jet fuel Aviation requires fuel that is energy-dense, powerful, but also light. Without a sufficiently powerful and affordable synthetic alternative, flying will continue to rely on fossil fuels. But researchers at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in California may have a solution. In a new paper published in Joule, a journal, the researchers describe how to tweak the enzymes in bacteria to create an artificial metabolic pathway that starts with sugar and ends with polycyclopropanated, POP, fuels. The researchers used the bacteria's natural metabolism to create cyclopropane rings, one of the most energy-rich structures found in hydrocarbons. Many of the POP fuels had energy densities greater than 40 megajoules per liter, which is more potent than most widely used aviation fuels. But to become commercially viable, this biofuel must be scaled up in a cost-effective manner. Shifting subsidies from fossil fuels to green ones would be one way to get the product off the ground. The Rather Unpersuasive Persuasion Updating Jane Austen can be a recipe for cinematic magic. Clueless, which in 1995 shifted Emma to a Beverly Hills high school, is the wittiest Austen adaptation of all. Persuasion, released on Netflix on July 15th, is less persuasive. The film is set in the early 1800s, and it plods around the usual picturesque locations—Bath, Lyme Regis, various stately homes— but the director, Cary Cracknell, and the screenwriters Alice Victoria Winslow and Ron Bass have modernized Austen's novel in other ways, perhaps inspired by Bridgerton, Netflix's hit Regency costume drama, or British comedies such as Bridget Jones's Diary and Fleabag. The multicultural cast of Persuasion is prone to anachronistic dialogue, such as, quote, self-care or, quote, out of his league. Anne Elliott, Dakota Johnson, swigs wine from a bottle, sobs in the bath, and addresses waspish remarks to the camera. But her conspiratorial comments and sly winks make her obnoxiously smug. Her beloved old flame, the tongue-tied Captain Wentworth, Cosmo Jarvis, might have been better off without her. Weekend Profile Penny Mordant, Britain's next Prime Minister? Penny Mordaunt has emerged as the bookie's favorite to succeed Boris Johnson as leader of the Conservative Party and thus as Britain's Prime Minister. Last week, she finished second in the first two ballots of Conservative MPs who, next week, will whittle down the five remaining candidates to a final pair. The party's 100,000 or so members will then have the final say with the winner to be announced in early September. If Ms. Mordaunt makes it that far, she stands a good chance of triumphing. Separate surveys conducted by Conservative Home, a grassroots website, and YouGov, a pollster, found that she is the favorite among party members. Yet Ms. Mordent is unknown outside Westminster. What do the Tories see in her? Ms. Mordent was born in 1973. Her mother died when she was 15, and her father, a former paratrooper, fell ill the following year, leaving her to care for her younger brother until her father remarried. She worked as a magician's assistant to help fund her philosophy studies at the University of Reading. When she joined the leadership race, Ms. Morden said her, quote, love and pride of Britain was kindled as a nine-year-old in Portsmouth as she watched the Navy set sail for war in the Falklands. Her naval interest seems preordained. She was named after HMS Penelope, a cruiser. She serves as a Navy reservist and was elected as the conservative MP for Portsmouth North in 2010. Ms. Morden's supporters say her rise reflects the party's appetite for change after the scandal and decadence of Mr. Johnson's tenure. They describe her as hardworking and dutiful, provincial rather than metropolitan. She supported Brexit but is not fervent about the divorce. In, quote, Greater Britain After the Storm, a book she co-authored last year, she offers an affectionate portrait of modern Britain as a good-humored land of the NHS, pubs, and the Human Rights Act. Her policies tend to focus on local communities rather than grand national ideas. One of her ideas is for MPs to be given pots of money to distribute to good causes in their constituencies. She would like to see a bigger role for charities and for the volunteers who rallied during COVID-19 to be put to work permanently. The video that announced her candidacy was subject to much mockery in Westminster. It featured rolling shots of Britain set to I Vow to Thee My Country, a patriotic ditty. Party members were not so sniffy. Miss Morden's ideological ambiguity has made her an attractive default candidate for MPs who dislike Rishi Sunak, the former chancellor and current frontrunner, and Liz Truss, the Foreign Secretary, her main rival for that second place. Yet even her supporters admit she is untested, and that the success of her notional premiership would depend on whether she would be prepared to appoint strong rivals to big posts or rely on yes men, as Mr. Johnson did. Follow the Conservative Party Leadership Contest with our interactive tracker. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Unmesh Sharma, Mumbai, India. North America, Robert V. Johnson, Hinsdale, United States. Central and South America, José Miguel Reed, Santiago, Chile. Europe, Fred Chambers, London, United Kingdom. Africa, Madeline Wackernagel, Naromoro, Kenya. Oceana, Deborah Campbell, Clovelly, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Johnny Ray, Graham Chapman, William Booth, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and Cassius Clay. They all share names with assassins. James Earl Ray, Martin Luther King, Mark Chapman, John Lennon, John Wilkes Booth, Abraham Lincoln, Lee Harvey Oswald, JFK, and Cassius, Julius Caesar. And visit the Espresso app for our new Weekend Crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Billie Holiday. Somebody once said, We never know what is enough until we know what's more than enough.